Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So I want to start this morning with a question for you. Um, How many here have ever in your experience, in your faith journey, um, had a situation or experience or a time when it just didn't make sense, that God didn't make sense? Maybe it was prayers that seemed to go unanswered. Uh, Maybe it's a a financial setback or a relational breakup. Maybe it's you you did all the right things and it still turned out all wrong. Um, Anytime that you've gone through an experience like that in your faith journey, when you just kind of set out to God, why don't you do something? All right. Anybody ever felt that way? Go ahead, raise your hand. Yeah. Okay, Vallejo, you can raise your hands too. I know there's nobody there, but God sees you. Um, and if you're watching online, joining us online, you can, in Starbucks, you can just kind of raise it a little bit. Um, but I think we've all gone through those. And if you haven't, you will. There are times in your faith journey when God doesn't seem to make sense. And we're actually going to look at one of those in the life and ministry of Jesus. We're in the Gospel of John. We're going through that this whole, um, this whole summer. And we're going to be in chapter 11 today, a very well-known event. And you know how it all turns out. But during the whole process and how it happens, it doesn't make any sense at all what Jesus is doing. So if you want to turn there, John chapter 11, we're going to jump right into it. Uh, we're going to pick up in verse 3. Uh, what's happened is Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, um, brother and two sisters, uh, lived in the city of, uh, village of Bethany, and Jesus often spent time in their home. These were very close friends of his, and Lazarus has fallen ill, and we pick it up in verse 3, that his sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. When it is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And after he, he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go that we may go die with him. And on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Skip down verse 21. Martha comes out to meet Jesus before he gets actually into the village. Lord, Martha says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know we will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Skip down verse 32. Martha sends for Mary. Mary comes out. 
Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus, verse 32, when Jesus found her, saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, they asked. Come and see, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who had opened the eyes of the blind man had given this, keep, keep this man from dying? Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, I don't know about you, but as I read this account, I have more questions than answers. It's very, very confusing. I know how it all turns out, but all through the story, Jesus does things and says things that just don't seem to make sense. And today, I'm not going to give you any simple answers because I don't think there are simple answers. I'm not going to give you, you know, five easy steps to, you know, dealing with questions. It's, it's, I'm not going to be able to do that because I just don't think there are easy steps or easy answers. What I do hope to give you when I do think comes out of this story is some things that you can hang on to when you are in the middle of one of those kind of situations where God doesn't make sense. That you find yourself in a waiting place and you don't know what God's doing or you find yourself confused by his actions or you don't even know how it's all going to turn out and it just hurts so bad. There's some things that you can hang on to. And I hope to give those to you today. You're not going to walk out of here saying, oh, now it all makes sense to me. But you will go out of here with some things that you can hang on to. And I want to start with this one. That when God doesn't make sense, remember this. His delays are by design. That God moves on purpose. He doesn't do anything by accident. Things don't slip by him. He moves in his timing and in his purposes. And his timing is not always our timing. And his delays are always by design. One of the first questions I have in this whole story is, why does Jesus wait? You pick it up in verse 5. And it says, and this is kind of confusing to me. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, those are the things that don't make sense to me because he loved them, but he waits two more days. And the word that bothers me the most in this one is so. Because it's not like he says Jesus loved them, but he had to stay two more days. Like there was a reason, there was an ex, you know, some excuse, or extenuating circumstances. No, he says so. And I looked it up in the Greek, and it really is so. <laughs> Wait a minute, if he loved them, then he goes. You know, you don't stay, and it says the reason that he stayed was because the so is the reason why he stayed. That doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know if it makes any sense to you, but it doesn't to me. If someone I know is on their deathbed, and I love them, I'm going. Jesus stays two more days. He waits 
two more days. And because he waits, he makes them wait. And waiting is not a fun place to be. I've made no you know, bones about it. I'm not a very patient person. I've talked about that often around here. I get very easily frustrated about things if things aren't moving fast enough. If I'm standing in line and it takes forever and the people in front of me, you know, have some kind of complication in their pain and I got to wait now because they didn't get it all their, their act together or the Home Depot scanner's not working or something like that. It just drives me crazy. And I know that about myself. And so I've, I, in fact, actually a couple of years ago, I talked about this thing. And one of the things I've been trying to do is um, purposely do things that will make me slow down and be a little more patient. And a number of years ago, I talked about this idea that you might want to try sometime. Is that, you know, when you pull up like to the coffee shop and there's someone else who pulls up at the exact same time and you get out of your cars at the exact same time and there's one door and there's kind of this little foot race to get to the door. You don't do that, right? Yeah, no. No, it's not you don't break out in a race. You just pick up your pace a little bit because I'm going to be in there before he does. And so I said one of these times, I said, okay, here's one of the things that I am working on is that I'm just going to work on that when that happens, and it happens often enough, that when it happens, I'm going to stop and just say, after you. So this week, um, exactly that thing happened. We get there. I drive up park in my spot. Someone parks in the same spot, exactly the same distance from the door. We get out of their cars at the same time. And we're both walking to the door. And I look, he looks vaguely familiar, but it's one of those, you know, I can't place him because it's a different setting kind of deals. And I'm not paying all that much attention, but I do think after you. So I did, I stopped and I said, after you. So he went on ahead of me and he's in line and he's ordering his coffee and everything. And I'm looking at the case, trying to decide, do I want a bagel? Do I want a muffin? Blah, 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 blah. And I go and I pick it up and she says, oh no, he already paid for you. So I turned and looked at him, and I said, you didn't have to do that. He says, no, I'm glad to do it, Pastor Ken. (laughs) Oh, I am so glad (laughs) I didn't do the foot race thing. That would have been really embarrassing. And then it was like, oh, yeah, I do know this guy. (laughs) I'm not a patient person. And And when it's a real, you know, serious situation, it's all that much harder to wait. And when God doesn't seem to be answering in my time, man, that makes it all the worse. And and it's hard to believe that God is waiting for a purpose, for a reason. Now, his disciples probably are just as glad that they're not leaving right away because the last time they were in Judea, when they were in that area, um, they tried to stone Jesus. And so I think they're probably thinking, oh, I know why we're not going, because if we, last time we went there, they tried to stone him. And you know, when they stone him, like, we're next. <laughs> so if we stay here, that's okay with us. We don't mind waiting a few more days. But that's not the reason. There's a different reason, and this is what Jesus says the reason is. He tells them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad. Now, again, this doesn't make sense to me. I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Wait a minute. You mean someone you love is dying, they're on their deathbed, and you're waiting, and you're glad you're waiting so that we might believe? You mean there's something more important than Lazarus and and his illness and his death? Apparently so. That you may believe. That doesn't make any sense to us. So Jesus tells them this thing. He says, so anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble. For they see by this world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Huh? (laughs) 
What does that have to do with this whole situation? And I think what Jesus is getting at is that God has a timing. And there is a time, there's a daylight time, and there's a night time. And there's a time, an opportunity when the work must be done, and there is a time when it is not done. And just as that is true in our earthly lives, so it is true with the light of the world. That he moves at his pace. That he moves in his timing. And if I am in a place of waiting, it simply means that delay has something to do with God's purposes. And I may not understand it, and you may not understand it, but his delays are by design. And so if you're in the middle of a waiting situation right now, and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and it seems like it's never going to change, just know that while you're waiting, God is doing something that you cannot see. And very often, very often, that during the waiting time, God needs to do something in you before he can do something for you. Very often, I have found in my own life, God needed to do something in me before he could do anything through me. And that delay is by his design. Second thing, and when God doesn't make sense, here's what you need to remember. He cares about you in the middle of your confusion. Why is he waiting? Why is this not happening? Why doesn't God do something? I am so confused, God, I don't understand this. He knows that you're confused, and he cares about your confusion. As he's arriving, the story goes that Martha actually runs out to meet him before he gets to the village. She goes out ahead. Everybody else stays behind, but she runs out ahead. And I think it's because she wants to have this conversation in private. Because she's going to let him know what she thinks about this whole thing. He gets out there, and she gets to him, and she says, If you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you'd been here, this is your fault. This is your fault. If you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. I mean, you can almost hear the confusion in that conversation. I, you should have been here. It doesn't make any sense to me. Why weren't you here? I mean, you were there for the, you were there for the Samaritan woman. You were there for the centurion's son. You were there for the Roman. You were, and, but you, this is your best friend. I thought you loved us. I thought you cared about us. If you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. And yet, I know, I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. You can, you can hear it in her voice. She is wavering. She is, she's, she's just struggling with this whole situation. And not only her, but the whole crowd. When they come to the tomb and Jesus weeps, the whole crowd says, some of them say, look how he loved him. And then the others say, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man kept this man from dying? They're confused. It just doesn't make any sense. And isn't that really the question? When you and I find ourselves in that place, God, why aren't you doing anything? I thought I knew you. I thought you loved me. I thought you cared about me. This doesn't make sense. I am so confused. And I think what's happening with Martha is she is wavering. She's wavering between her faith and her trust in Jesus and the doubts and the questions that she has. 
And very often, that's where we find ourselves in the middle of those kind of situations. And maybe that's where you're at today. You find yourself and you're struggling with this whole thing. God, I thought you loved me. I thought you were good. I thought you... Why? This doesn't make sense. Why aren't you doing anything about this? And what you need to know, that even in that confusion, even as you waver in that faith and doubt kind of thing, he understands it. He understands it. She says... And this is what I love, the second part of it. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. In her struggle, in her faith, she's still hanging on. And I believe, I believe God understands that kind of faith. In fact, I believe he prefers that kind of faith because it's honest and it's raw and it's real. But that's what God wants to do in us. He doesn't want the smiley face, no negative confession. I'm just trusting God and it's all going to work out. When deep down inside, you're just not in your stomach and it's just gut-wrenching. She's honest. And God understands his honesty. God understands your honesty when you find yourself caught in the middle. What's interesting is Jesus doesn't scold her. This This is why I believe God understands that. This is why I believe he even accepts it and prefers it, because he doesn't scold her. He doesn't reprimand her. He doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't say, do you have any idea who you're talking to? (laughs) You talking to me? (laughs) Well, no one else here, so you must be talking to me. He doesn't do any of that. Instead, he lovingly cares for her. He understands her confusion, and he cares about it. He understands your confusion, and he cares about it, and he knows what's coming next. Now, we're not there yet, but he knows what's coming next. There's a couple more lessons in this. When God doesn't make sense to you, something else you can always hang on to, he is present in the middle of your pain. He is right there with you. In the middle of it. John records something deeply profound in two simple words. Shortest verse in the Bible. Simply this. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. That is two profound words. Because what that tells us is that he is there. He understands the pain that we feel. And if you think that wept is just one little tear kind of dribbled down his cheek... No, no, no. John actually tells us twice that when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. You look that up, and the the, the word there is actually the word that would be used for a a snorting horse. You know, that noise that a horse makes when he just... And and it's it's like this emotion is all being held in check, and it's just trying to keep it all together, and then he just loses it. You ever been there? You know, just trying to, just going to, and then you just can't take it anymore and you just, you blurt it out. What he's saying is that he fully understands and knows and he is there in your pain. He wants us to know that God is not unmoved 
by your struggles. He's not unmoved. He is not distant. He is not detached. He is not aloof. He is right there with you in the middle of all of that. Remember, remember what John said at the beginning, at the intro of his gospel. He said that Jesus has come to make the Father known. So if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you want to get to know God, get to know Jesus. If you move in the direction of Jesus, you will get to know God. And what Jesus is displaying here for us is this is who God is. It's not just because of my humanity. God weeps when you weep. God hurts when you hurt. He may not always work in the way that you would like, but it's not because he doesn't care. He is with us in our pain. And when God is involved, anything is possible. So he says to everyone, roll away the stone. And then I love this, because Martha, she's still doing that struggling confusion thing. She says, But Lord, by this time, there's a bad odor for he's been in there four days. Now, every time I read that, I just can't help to revert back to my old King James Version Bible. And if you don't know what it says in King James Version Bible, basically it says, but Lord, by this time, he stinketh. (laughs) I just can't get that out of my mind. And, and maybe, maybe part of it is he's been in there four days. Maybe she, he's just kind of taking one more dig at Jesus like you could have been here earlier. This wouldn't have happened, you know, four days, Lord. But I think there's another significance to the four days. Because belief at that time was that when someone died, their spirit kind of hovered over the body for three days. But after three days, it left. Why? Does he stinketh? Because the body is decomposing now. And the point John is making is, this is a beyond all hope situation. He's dead. He's not somewhat dead. He's not mostly dead. He's dead, dead. This is a hopeless situation. There is no hope. There is no chance. There's nothing going to change this. And yet that's when Jesus steps in. But there's still one more lesson. And I think this is an important one. That when God doesn't make sense in the situations in your life that you're asking for his help and none of it makes sense to you, here's something you can trust. He can deepen your faith through your difficulties. Because we don't always get the resurrection we want. Sometimes the cancer wins. Sometimes the marriage ends Sometimes the business fails. Sometimes even our most fervent prayers go unanswered. And I think at the heart of all of this is that even even when that happens, you can still trust him. You must still trust him. Because... His delays are by design and he cares about your confusion and he's present in your pain. So even when you don't understand, you can still trust him. I love one of the most well-known sufferers in all the Bible is Job. And there is a place in the story of Job where everyone has kind of given up on him. His whole life has fallen apart. He has lost everything. His wife says, you know, why don't you just curse God and die? And there is these surges of hope. And there's one in which Job says... Though he slay me, though he slay me, yet I 
will trust him. And I think one of the big lessons of this story is that even when we don't get the resurrection we are praying for, even when it doesn't all come together at the end, even when there isn't a happy ending to it, God can still use that situation to do a resurrection in your soul. He can do something deep within you that is far more important, far more important. If you notice, all through, go home this afternoon, read that story again, and see how many times the word believe comes up, because that's the point of this whole story. He says to the disciples, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe. He gets there and he says, I'm the resurrection of life. Do you believe that? He gets here now in one of these, these things, and, 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 and it's the fifth of the I am sayings. Do you believe that? And now it's not just theory because now it comes right down to it. And Jesus says to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, if you will keep trusting, if you will hang in there, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you are wavering in your faith, if you will just put your weight down on me and you will trust me, you will see the glory of God. And I think the lesson there for Mary and Martha and Lazarus and John and the disciples and for us is that you can continue to trust even when you don't ever get the answer. You can continue to trust even when you don't understand. For her sake, for Lazarus's sake, for our sake, we need to know that God can do something far deeper in us through the difficulties. And what he does in us will be of incomparably greater worth than anything else we might be praying for or asking for. There was something much, much bigger going on in this whole story because this actually becomes a watershed moment. This is the defining moment because if you read on into chapter 12 when Jesus' um, grand entry into, uh, into Jerusalem and the Palm Sunday and everybody's waving palm branches and saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know why they're doing that? John tells us it was because of this miracle. The reason the crowds turned out is they found out about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Many people believed and many people went out to greet him when he came into Jerusalem. That was a defining moment for those who were going to follow him, but it was also a defining moment for those who wanted to destroy him. Because if you read a little bit further on, in verse 35, it says of the Jewish leaders, from that day on, they plotted to take his life. This event... Jesus knew. From here on out, everything changes. For those who will trust him and for those who are against him. It all kind of hinges on this one event. And that's the thing. You never know what's going on behind the scenes. You never know what God might be doing with that delay and in that pain and in that difficulty. But you can trust him no matter what. Because in a few short weeks, within a few short weeks, Jesus himself will feel that abandonment. Jesus himself will go through that pain. Jesus himself will be at that point where he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So when he talks about his delays by design, and he's caring about your confusion and being present in your pain. That's not just theory. Because he went through it too. 
and for you and for me. That gives me great comfort and great courage and a great ability to trust even if I don't understand. Would you bow your heads with me? And again, at our Vallejo campus, your campus director is going to walk you through this time as we go through this together. I really do believe, and I say this each week, when we look into God's word, there's, there's a response there for us. And maybe you're here today and you are in a time of waiting. And maybe you've been waiting a long, long time. And you're wondering why it's taking God so long. Or maybe, maybe it just, it's a hopeless case now. It's dead. It's over. Maybe you're in the middle of the pain and confusion, wavering in your faith. I think the things that you can take from this story is that he's with you. He hasn't abandoned you. And you can keep trusting him. And if you find yourself today in one of those kind of situations, and maybe you're like ready to give up on the whole thing, and God is just speaking to your heart and say, just trust me. Just trust me. You may never find out the answer to this whole thing, but just trust me. And maybe it's hard for you. But if you find yourself in one of those kind of situations, and I could pray for you as we close, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand. Hold it up. Let me know. Because I want to pray with you and for you as we close. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. on our Vallejo campus too. Know that he cares. That he's present. And that he is working something that you may never understand, but you can trust him. Now maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today. And and maybe you walked away from God because of one of those kind of situations. And maybe you're just coming on your way back. Because there's something inside of you that says, I can't let go. You're like that Martha I, I know that even now, or, or maybe you've, you've never really put yourself in a place of faith, but there's stuff in your life that you've just gotten to the point where you realize, I can't do this on my own. And maybe that's what brought you here today. Maybe for you, it's a very first step of faith. It's a willingness to say, God, I have made a mess of things and I can't do this on my own. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need you to work in my life. And maybe you've never done that before, but today it's a first step of faith for you. Same thing. Would you just raise your hand? Hold it up for a moment. Catch my eye. I want to pray with you as well as we close. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you to join me in this prayer. Lord, you know our pain. You know our confusion. You know our struggles. You know our faults and our failures, our human weakness. There are times when it is simply hard to trust and many people have raised their hands today saying, I'm just in that spot today. Some of them are just kind of hanging on. I pray, God, that your grace and your mercy and your peace would wash over them. That you would make your presence known in some way that they would know that they are not alone but that you are with them. And for those who raised a hand saying, this is a first step of faith for me, 
just in this moment of acknowledging their need and, and, and their own inadequacy, their own failures and sin, God, would you bring your grace and your forgiveness to bear there as well? For we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.